Well, today I want to bring you into a song that is probably on none of your summer set lists, but I'm going to guess that you've probably heard it before, and I'm going to play it, and it might bring you back to a memory back in the day, or it might just encourage you, or you might just say, this church is kind of weird. If that's your thought, I just want to invite you and encourage you just to stay for the sermon, all right? Don't check out. Sometimes we have a little bit fun, but I'm going to play this, and if you know it, just feel free to chant it out with me, because it'll encourage you. Come on, let's just go ahead and play that summer set list real quick. But I get up again. Hands went up, I like it. I get now. Come on, say it with me. But I get up again. You never come on, say it to the devil. I get knocked down. But I get up again. You're never gonna keep me down. Alright, alright. None of y'all like that 90s rock I see. Okay. Coming coming to you from 1997. Let me put those lyrics up. And, and if I just did some trivia, none of y'all know who this artist is. Chumba Wumba, come on. Said, I get knocked down, but I get up again. You're never going to keep me down. And uh, talk about an amazing one-hit wonder, right? Chumbawamba, if y'all are watching this, I love you. God bless you. All the way from England. No shade here. You made it to church. Praise God. I want to preach a message to you that I'm titling, simply put, knock down, but up again. Knock down, but up again. And why do I, why do I share, share that Phrase? Well, I share that phrase, that title, because I believe this is the declaration of the Christian life. What's one way to describe your life? One way to describe my life as a believer in Jesus? Well, one way to describe my life is I'm knocked down, but I'm up again. That I won't be defeated. I won't stay down. I'm actually going to get up again. I kind of I think of myself sometimes like, this guy that you walked past when you walked in. Come on, let me just, yeah, there he is, the Walk Church tube guy. You know, you get knocked down, but you up again. Oh, I'm back up again. Keep that smile on your face. I'm back up again. That's kind of how we live our, our, our journey, right? The resurrected Christ lives inside of us through his spirit. And though I get knocked down, I get back up again. None, some of y'all are never going to hear that song again the same, amen? And I hope that's that's the truth. Now, I want to take the song to Scripture, and I want us to look at a verse that is a, a familiar verse. I've heard this verse several times. I actually quoted this verse several times recently, but I've actually never heard a sermon on it, and I, I wanted to lean into it and give it some more attention. It's Proverbs 24, specifically verse 16. If you have a Bible, turn me to Proverbs 24. If you need a Bible, we'd love to walk you one down. Just put your hand in the air like you just do care, and we'll walk you a Bible down if you need one. Um, Proverbs 24 verse 16. We're looking at the CSB uh, translation. I, I think I see a hand up right here if somebody needs one. Anybody need, need a copy of God's Word? Um, 24 verse 16, Christian Standard Bible. Let's go ahead and read it together. Ready, set, go. Though a righteous person falls seven times, he will get up, but the wicked will stumble into ruin. When it comes to reading the Bible and the Bible that I tend to preach from when it comes to translation, I typically preach from the ESV, the English Standard Version, a word-for-word literal translation of the original language of the Bible. I love the ESV. I also like the CSB, another word-for-word translation. Now, there's paraphrased Bibles that are not word-for-word translations. They're more thought-for-thought. Now, that would be something like the NLT. I love the NLT translation, too. This paraphrased translation says, the godly may trip seven times. Somebody say, stop tripping. Stop tripping. The godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. I want to preach to somebody here today that knows what it feels like to fall down, but to also get up again. Uh, I love the 
message translation of this. Another paraphrase, if I, if I were to encourage you to read a Bible for devotional reading, I wouldn't pick the message translation. However, the message could be a good commentary, something to kind of bring you into the everyday language and bring a principle to life. Here's what the message says. No matter how many times you trip them up, God-loyal people don't stay down long. Amen? Soon they're up on their feet while the wicked end up flat on their faces. I love that reality right there. Message will bring you all the way in. No matter how many times you trip them up, God-loyal people, they, they don't stay down long. I want to encourage you not to stay down long. Even if you fall down, in fact, you will fall down at some point. But hopefully you'll have this reminder. This is my moment to get, to get back up. The ESV translation says it like this. The righteous fall seven times and rises again. Rise up. The wicked stumble in times of calamity. The word calamity means when a disaster or adversity strikes. And if you live in this world long enough, you'll realize disaster and adversity and moments of tragedy and struggle and pain happen to us on the regular. But what happens when those moments hit is everything. How you respond is so key. Do you stumble or do you get humble and rise up? And get up. The Christian rises up. I I get knocked down, but I get up again. You're never going to keep us down. Amen? I want to give you three ways to get up. Because maybe today you would say, you know what, Pastor Hyden? I'm sufficiently inspired. I believe the title's true. But I need some ways to get up. I need some handlebars. I need some tools for my belt. I need to know, how do I get up? When I fall, give me the... The play to run. What plays do I run to get back up? I want to give you three of them today. So if you're ready, say ready. Ready. If you're hungry, say let's eat. eat. Father, right now, as we get ready to eat from your word, uh, Lord, I just pray in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, open our hearts, open our minds, help us to get this. And if there's somebody that's low here today, that's feeling down, Lord, bring them up by your grace for your glory. Holy Spirit, lead us online and in person. We're ready. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Three ways. Number one, the first way to get back up is to get back up by remembering. Now, I heard a subtle yeah, but I didn't hear an amen. Because this point is so underrated. Remembering in the Christian life is so undervalued. Can I just tell you that mentality is so important to us? I love what Vashon just prayed. He said, I take every thought captive with our thinking. The King James translation says, as a man thinketh, so he is. Your your mind and your heart work together to determine how you feel. Not only how you feel, but how you respond to a situation, especially when it comes to adversity, especially when you get knocked down. How do I get back up? Here's how you get back up. First point is by remembering. Remembering what? Good questions they're asking. Hopefully you're asking these. I'm going to ask them for you, okay? Number one, remember who you are. You, you got to remember who you are. In this case, in the parentheses, you are righteous. Look at the verse, Proverbs 24, verse 16. It says, the righteous person falls seven times. Now, if it just said, though a person falls seven times, you might not get the rest. You might not get up. Who gets back up? The righteous person falls seven times, but gets back 
I want to I remind you of the power of righteousness. Let me give you Haydn's definition of what righteousness is. Now, there's a, a lot of different smart theological definitions of righteousness. If I could just clarify it in one statement, I'll put it up on the screen. This is my clarifying statement of what righteousness is. Righteousness is right standing before God that leads to right living on earth. Does that make sense? Someone can write that down, take a screenshot. I believe if I, as I just kind of process, what do I mean by righteousness? What does the Bible mean when it says the righteous falls seven times? Here's the righteous. The righteous are people that have right standing before God. That they found through their faith in Jesus. And now that right standing before God moves us to live like it. That right standing before God through our faith in Jesus now motivates the Christian to actually live righteous. So the righteous falls down seven times, but because we have right standing before God, we get back up. Now, one of the verses that I believe proves that this statement is actually true is what Paul writes to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. The text says that he made him, he, God the Father, made him, God the Son, Jesus, who knew no sin. Let me be clear. Jesus never sinned. He is, the sin, he is the sinless God-man. But he made him to, who knew no sin to be sin in our behalf. So that, everybody say so that. The so that's so key. Because this is just great information. If you don't get the so that, the so that leads to transformation. The information leads to transformation. Here's the transformation. So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Right? Here's the reality. None of us are right. None of us are righteous. In fact, we would be the good picture of unrighteous. We haven't done the right thing. We don't start out with a right standing before God. We, we start off with a wrong standing before God, sinful. Ephesians 2 says that we're dead in our sins and trespasses, children of God's wrath. That's the wrong side. So if we're on this side as unrighteous, and God's on this side as righteous, here's what we need. We need a righteous one from God to come down to earth who knew, who knew no sin to then take on our sin. That's Jesus on the cross. Jesus takes the Father's righteousness and sends it to you. That is the gospel. How amazing is it that you started out unrighteous and you put your faith in Jesus through him on our behalf. What did Jesus do on your behalf? He took all of his righteousness and transferred it into your bank account. Oh my goodness. Anybody love payday? Anybody love when you get a transfer? You're like, hold up, ding, email alert. Come on, Julio at Wells Fargo, right? You love transfers. Come on. A transfer, a Zelle, Cash App, Venmo. I don't care what it looks for you, right? This is Jesus taking all of his righteousness and putting it into your bank account, and all of your debt goes into his account. All of your sin debt. It says the wages of sin is death. You got a whole lot of death on you. Your sin, the way, there's a wage for that. It's death. And so what happens when Jesus is on the cross, all of your wages get transferred to Jesus. It killed him. And all of his righteousness gets transferred to you. And through your faith in Christ, what a great exchange. What a great substitutionary atonement. That God does for us. Oh, I pray. I pray that you don't reject the transfer. You say, ah, I don't really want your righteousness, Lord. I'm going to send it back. Don't do that. 
Jesus, Jesus said, no, no, I, it is finished. I paid for you. Receive them. This is the day. Maybe today you've been blocking the blessing of the gospel. Today I would invite you and encourage you. I plead with you to receive the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ on your behalf so that you might become righteous. No other way can we become righteous other than by receiving the righteous one by faith. But the good news is you can receive him by faith today and be accredited a new life, a new creation, a new start where you would actually, you would actually become righteous. Right standing before God. Jesus, my friends, can I just tell you, let me give you something. Can I give you the password? Anybody ever struggle with passwords? You're like, wrong password, wrong password. You got kicked out. Try again, right? It's so frustrating. Don't get up to heaven and have big old, like, let's just say Archangel Michael. What's the password? And you're like, religion, nope. <laughs> Try again. My good deeds, <laughs> nope. Uh, my parents, uh, nope. My church attendance, ding, nope. Forgot, forgot, I forgot. You need to remember. Your righteousness is found in Christ. Just type a big old J-E-S-U-S. You, that's the password. Jesus is the password to eternity. He says, I'm the way to God. I'm the truth about God. I'm the life of God. And I'm the password to righteousness. Oh, remember that. Don't be playing around with other passwords. They don't work. But Jesus does. He becomes what we need. He's the righteousness of God. And when we have a right relationship with Christ, we have a right relationship with God. And that leads to, to right living on earth. So the righteous fall down. But come on, we got Christ. We get back up. What, what's a Jesus who doesn't get back up? Right? Jesus, don't, don't, don't end the gospel at the cross. Sunday's coming. He's a riser, amen? Let me give you some truth about righteousness. I want you to remember who you are. Psalm verse, chapter 37. Psalm 37 says it like this. I have been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken. I love that verse right there. King David says, man, when I was younger, I used to work with slingshots. I even faced Goliath and I cut his head off. The Lord didn't forsake me. Now I'm older and David would say, I got a lot of sin in my life. Here's what I know. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. That I've always been able to come back to faith in God because of my right standing before him through my faith. I've never seen his children begging for bread. I'm grateful for the righteous prophetic promise in Psalm 30, 37 flows into the believer today. God's not only going to take care of you, he's going to take care of your family. Oh man, I've been young, now I'm old. I've not seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Or his children begging for bread. Oh, remember who you are. In your righteousness before God, ooh, that's a good place to be. Let me give you one more verse. Psalm 34, verse 19 says, many. Everybody say many. many. Oh, say it like you've had some pain in your life. Say many. many. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. We're talking about righteousness. I'm not talking about easy, breezy, walking through life, 
everything's just great. Every day's my birthday. I'm just always awesome on cloud nine. No, in fact, it says many are the afflictions of the righteous. Right standing before God will invite the enemy to antagonize you. Right standing before God might make you enemies with the world. Because that leads to right living on earth. Which happens to lead to affliction. But let me tell you something. Can I give you a promise? The Lord delivers you out of them all. Remember who you are. I'm righteous, which means God's going to deliver me. God's not going to forsake me. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Young, old, I've never seen it. And let me also tell you, he delivers them out of them all. I'm grateful that the verse doesn't say some. Anybody else? Come on. It could say, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of some. I'm so glad it doesn't say that. I mean, I would be, if it said that, that's still cool. That's okay. I need deliverance at least out of some. Praise God, the Lord doesn't let us. Come on. He, he takes us through all of it. He holds our hand. He, he walks us through. Remember who you are. When you fall down, hear this echo saying, come on, get back up. You're righteous. You're righteous. Remember who you are. Can I give you the second thing to remember? Don't just remember who you are. Remember whose you are. It's important to remember whose you are. What family are you from? What, what family name do you come from? In this case, I'm talking about spiritually, friend, you're a child of God. Oh, man, you, you, you got to remember that you're part of his family. One of my favorite verses on the gospel. The gospel just means good news of Jesus Christ. One of my favorite verses is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. Let's look at it in the NLT translation. Listen to this. I'm going to read it slow. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Oh, man. I love this verse so much because it teaches us that all of us, at one point or the other, found ourselves in a spiritual orphanage that was ran by sin, that was governed by the flesh, on an eternal destination apart from God, which is a place called hell. And this was our destiny. If you were to tell me today, yo, I was born a Christian, I would say, no, you weren't. You could say, I was born on the stage of the church, it doesn't save you. You were born into a spiritual orphanage apart from God, and at some point you had to make the decision to receive his adoption. At some point in hearing the gospel, this is why the good news needs to be preached to everybody because Jesus made the decision in advance to adopt you. Isn't it great? That at some point in your life, you got to hear this good news reality that, that God sent his son Jesus to your orphanage. And he said, I'm here for you, Chef Mike. I'm, I'm here for you, Noah. We're out here playing in the mud in the orphanage. And, and Jesus shows up and says, Michaela, I'm here with your adoption papers. And guess what? He's not mad about it. It gave him great, like, I think sometimes we see God, if we're not careful, we'll see God as somebody that's old, cold, 
Give me another cold, old, rhyme. mold? I don't know. Just, just, we see God as this person who's angry. Like he showed up to your adoption agency. He's like, Mario, let's go. Get in the car. Yeah, I adopted you. I hate it. I didn't want to in the first place. That is not God. That is not our Savior. Right? Like, like our Savior in advance, he like, he's like, ooh, I got a plan. I wonder if Jesus was like in heaven like, hey, angels, I got a plan. <laughs> Check this out. One of these days, I'm going to adopt Haydn into my family. I'm going to show up. It's going to be great. <laughs> and, and he's going to join my team. I'm going to bring him to myself. I got a great plan for his life. And guess what? I want to do it. I'm excited to do it. It's given me great pleasure just thinking about it. I believe the Lord is excited to have a relationship with you. He shows up to the orphanage and he says, okay, B, come on, jump. Don't, in that moment, don't be like, ah, I think I'm, I'm actually kind of content here. I'm just going to stay here. And that's what a lot of people are doing. Wondering why they're miserable. Wondering why they can't break free. Wondering why they can't get, get to the next place in life. Can I just tell you, you're created on purpose for a purpose. And that starts in the right family with the right father, with the right savior. His name is Jesus. Long before you even were born, he decided to adopt you into his family. Today's a great moment. Today's a great day to say, you know what? I'm no longer going to stay here. I'm going to get back up and I'm going to go home to his house. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. That's an important. I love that you sang that song, Vishon. I love that we sang that right there because it's important to, to sometimes, come on, remember the point. How do you get back up? By remembering. Remembering what? Remember whose you are. I am chosen, not forsaken. Even though I feel this way, I am who you say that I am. You got to preach to your heart who you actually are. I am righteous, but you just fell into sin. I know, but I'm, that doesn't mean that Jesus' death wasn't real. I'm still righteous because I fall down seven times. But I get back. I mean, come on, camera. Can you just stay with me for a second? This is, if you're here, I'm down. Somebody, this is relating to somebody right now. You feel me right now. You got to remember who you are. I'm righteous. I'm the, Jesus paid for my righteousness. I'm righteous. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I, I've ne- the, the Lord delivers the righteous out of everything. And he adopted me. <laughs> I'm part of the family of God. I got to get back into the race. I got to get back up. I got to allow the blood of Jesus. That communion is so important. Thank you, Colin, for reminding us that the blood of Jesus wipes away all of our sins. Past, present, future. How do you know Jesus died for your future sin? Because we weren't alive when he decided in advance to adopt us. I'm so glad Jesus doesn't take us back to the adoption agency and be like, hey, this person's too sinful after all. Just, I'm going to send you back. Never. Never. Says his mercies are new every morning. His grace is sufficient. His power is made perfect in our weaknesses. I get knocked down, but I'm like that wavy wacky. I'm back up again. 
And the devil hates it. The enemy hates it. The demonic forces of this world hate it. Remember who you are. Remember whose you are. Somebody say, keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Let me give you the, the, the second point. Let me give you the second point. The second point is this. Get back up by remembering. Get back up by learning. I'm going to talk to some people that are a little bit more analytical in here. You're like, thank you for that. I'm, I need to remember the gospel. You're right. But also, what about the lesson learned? You're right. Get back up by learning the lesson from the fall. Get back up by saying, you know what? I made a mistake. I'm not going to make that mistake again. Get back up by saying, you know what? My times of falling are getting less and less. My times of winning are getting more and more because I'm learning from my mistakes. I love this quote. Amen. Somebody wanted to clap for that because you felt it. I love this quote from uh, Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill said, all men make mistakes, but only wise men learn from their mistakes. Come on, we got to be great learners. We got to be people who are able to say, you know what? I was wrong. I missed it. I ended up flat on my back. But the Lord lifted me up and I learned from my mistake. Grace is a great teacher, amen? Grace will help us. Don't miss the lessons of grace. God's kindness leads us to repentance. In other words, God's grace and kindness was meant to lead you to make a change. Change your thinking, change your mind, change your heart. Learn something from it. In fact, this is what I believe the Apostle Paul was trying to get at in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. As the Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthian church that had all types of sin, like any church does, amen? Right? Like, I'm grateful, Walk Church. We're a multicultural church. We're a multi generational church. We're a multi ethnic church. And we're a multi sinful church, okay? We got all types of different things going on here, and Jesus is the Lord over it all. Let me look at 1 Corinthians 10 with you. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthian church He says, We must not put Christ to the test. Some of y'all just gotta learn that verse. Y'all love to get so close to the edge. I'm testing you, Jesus. And Jesus is like, don't test me. You're still my child. I'm going to discipline you. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> get back up. We must not put Christ to the test, as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. Hello. I believe that that's a reference to a moment in the book of Numbers where the Israelites were grumbling and complaining about God's provision and timing And so the Lord decided to send serpents to teach them a lesson. (laughs) I'm grateful in the gospel, in the New Testament, God doesn't send serpents, God sends his son to teach us a lesson that you can get back up. He says, now, look back at that and learn from it. (laughs) Did you catch it? Look back at the book of Numbers and and realize what happened there and don't, don't test God. Learn from the moment. Don't grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now, these things happened to them as an example. Everybody say example. God has given us examples that we should learn from. But they were written down for our instruction. God is trying to instruct us through Adam and Eve. Feel me? You ever read Adam and Eve and wonder, Adam, what the heck were you doing? Eve, don't listen to the talking snake. It's not a good look. I wish Adam would have been like, yo, snake, stop talking to my lady. But Adam was tripping, probably scrolling through his Instagram. I don't know what he was doing. It's like, Adam, why are you you letting dude talk to her? Not a good look. Jump in. 
But what does Adam do? Oh, let me try some of that. You know? And so, learn from it. These moments were written as an... Jacob had two wives. Not a good look. Watch Jacob's life as he's trying to... Literally was making deals with... With, with, with Rachel and Leah, like, all right, look, all right, I, I spent last night with her. All right, fine. Now we're going to have tonight together, okay? That's a bad look. That's miserable. Not just for Jacob, but for them. Can I just say, hopefully nobody needs that lesson, but if you do, learn from it. Now, now Jacob, right? Who, Jacob's dad was named Isaac. Isaac's dad was Abraham. Can I just, I'm, the Bible's very interesting. Indeed. One day, Abraham and his wife, Sarah, are trying to have a baby. Sarah gets a bad idea. Sarah says, I got, all right, I got an idea. It's not a good idea. It's not a God idea. It's not a righteous idea. But Abraham, I think you should have, try to have a baby with my, my maidservant. That's a moment where you say, Sarah, not a good idea. And that's a moment where you say, Abraham, don't even think about it. These examples are there for us to learn from. Isaac. Isaac grows up. This baby comes alive. Isaac. He shows up. He's married to Rebecca. And these people are like, yo, who's Rebecca? And Isaac's like, that's my sister. They're like, it kind of looks like that's your wife, dude. You guys are a little close for brother sister. He's like, nah, nah. It's my sister. God literally has to give the dude a dream to say, it's actually his wife, send her back. (laughs) Just to cover for Isaac's mistake, which he actually saw his dad do in a previous generation. Oh, I want to look at David's life. David was once a man of great valor and faith, and then he started feeling himself. Learn from him. He got prideful. He fell off. Now he's the king. One day he spots another person's wife named Bathsheba and says, I want her. And literally the bodyguards are like, bruh, she's married to Uriah. And David says, I don't care. Learn from him. It doesn't end well. It doesn't. Not only does that happen, but then David has this horrible desire on his heart to then try to cover and manipulate his sin. If you try to manipulate your lying and your sin, it only gets worse. Hear me on that. The proverb says you start, you start with a little snowball, then you lie, and then the snowball gets bigger, and then you try to cover up that lie, it gets bigger, and then you, you try to sort of manipulate it well, and then it gets bigger, and then it crushes you. So that's why the proverb says quit before it, it ruins your life, and just say, you know what, check this out. Let me just, let me just pause, put a pin in it. I was wrong. I messed up. This is what David does in Psalm 51. David says, in fact, God, I sinned against you. Restore to me a clean heart. Give me a new spirit. Help me to, to not be that same man again. The, what made David a man after God's own heart was David's ability to get back up. What made Jacob somebody that God would say, I'm the God of Jacob? Why? Because Jacob had a wrestling match with God. His hip got popped out, and then he got back up. I'm grateful that Jacob didn't go through the rest of his life. Man, God popped my hip out. Man, I'm not going to church anymore. God popped my hip out. No, he got up from that, and he said, man, God did that. Check me out. Check what God did in my life. I'm returning back to him. His faithfulness is good for me. His faithfulness even wounded me because of my own sin. But the righteous fall and get back up. I want to encourage you. Learn from 
past mistakes. I'll tell you, can I just be transparent? Because God has had some favor on the life of our church plant, and I've had opportunities to be able to speak about church planning in a lot of different places. And people say, Pastor Hyden, what, talk to me about church planning. What, what, what are you guys doing in Vegas? You know what I would say? I can give you a whole list of what not to do. Learn from us. We haven't got it right all the, all the time, but we've tried to learn when we've got it wrong. And friend, oh, humility goes before honor. It's okay to get, to get it wrong. The righteous person gets it wrong seven times but gets back up and does things the right way. Wrong is wrong, right, right is right. Grace is grace. We can get back up, amen? These things happen to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the, let me get that next slide, um, uh, age has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands. If you're in here like, Psh, I don't even need this sermon. I got it all together. You better take heed lest you fall. We are, we are in need of grace as, as much as ever. We are in need of God dependence as much as ever. Somebody gave me this weird compliment this past week. They were like, yo, Pastor Hyden, you know what I love so much about you? Is like, you actually come out and worship with the kids. I was like, what, what, what do I look like? Like, I don't need to be worshiping too? I uh, think I got it all together? You'll find me at the altar first. I'm here hungry. I'm here getting better, amen? None of us have any reason at all to be prideful, do we? But we have a bunch of reasons to learn and be humble and say, I'm getting better along the journey. Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Don't be like, yo, my temptation, nobody's, nobody knows. It's actually pretty common. That's what the word says. <laughs> You're not like an all-star, super cool sinner. It's pretty common stuff. If you share it, you know what I've realized? Whenever I've been at like a group and I'm like, guys, I've got to share this. And I share it. I usually hear like seven or eight. Yeah, me too, me too, me too, me too, me too. Sometimes your confession leads to a breakthrough for somebody else. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape. I love that God provides a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. I just want to encourage you to choose the escape. When God gives you the open door, like you're in your wrong, and you know you're in your wrong, and then all of a sudden there's this back door that's like, and you're like, I should probably leave right now. Namaste, <laughs> right? And then it gets worse. But just know that the Lord was, was there. He is there. He's faithful. He loves you. Remember who you are. You're righteous. You cannot out God's grace. You can't do anything less to lose it. You can't do anything more to earn it. Might as well receive it. That, that is, is the gospel. Learn from people's failures. Learn from your failures. How about this? Let me give you one more. I love this quote from John Maxwell. John Maxwell, the leadership guru, says, It's said that a wise person learns from his mistakes, a wiser one learns from others' mistakes, but the wisest person of all learns from other successes. Find some people that are doing it right. <laughs> Be like, yo, what you doing? What plays are you running? Get around some winners. Get around some people that, you know, that person used to fall a lot. They're not falling as much anymore. That leads me to the third point. Everybody say third point. Third point, last point. Here we go. Get back up by surrounding. So we talked about get back up by remembering who you are, whose you are, 
Who you are, you're righteous. Who you are, you're a child of God. Get back up by learning from past mistakes, present mistakes, and people's successes. Get back up by surrounding. Here's what I want to encourage you with. Get, get around people. Surround yourself with people who are going to lift you up. Don't, don't, ooh, let me help you. Don't get around some people that are going to be like, well, I guess they're done. <laughs> they're going to just leave you there? No, get around some people that are going to be like, hey, let's get back up. I'll wait for you. I'll wait for you. Come on, get, get, so it's, who you surround yourself with matters. Let me give you the principle. Principle in the Proverbs. Here it is. Proverbs 13. Oh, don't go to sleep on me right now. Don't miss this principle. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. But the companion of fools will suffer harm. It's a, it's a promise right there. If you start hanging around with fools, you're going to start being foolish. If you start hanging out with wisdom, you're going to get wisdom. If you start hanging out with winners, you're going to start winning. If you start hanging around with people making money, you're going to start making money. If you start hanging around with people that are losing a lot of money, you're going to start losing money. Let me tell you this. You start hanging around with gossipers, they're going to gossip about you. You start hanging around with people that are always slandering, always, guess what? They're slandering about you. It's the principle. You hang around with cheaters, they're going to cheat you. You want to hang around with leaders, you're going to start leading too. Check your circle. Check your crew. Check your group text. Check around the, the, the influence that you have. You, you, you fall to the people that you surround yourself with. Check your teammates. I love this Golden State Warrior team. I love that they didn't kick Clay Thompson out the team. Come on, get back up and go win a championship. Work together. Get better. Trust your teammates. Get some people that have the right mentality. Surround yourself with, with winners. Surround yourself with people who want to grow in righteousness. Surround your pe- yourself with people who say, you know what, hey, you, you, you fell, but I'm going to help you get back up. You know why? Because when I fell, I got back up. And I know what it feels like to get back up. And it feels good. We saw this principle in the book of Acts, and we'll get ready to close here. Um, I love the book of Acts because it tells us what was happening in real time, right? Like the book of Acts is short for action. You see the church in action. You see this cat named the Apostle Paul. He, he fell, but he got back up. He actually had one of the great deacons in the church, Stephen, stoned to death. But then the Holy Spirit came alive to him on the road to Damascus, and he got back up. And he began to preach the gospel, and along his journey, he was preaching the gospel in a specific area, and then there were Jews that came from Antioch and Iconium, and they didn't like what was happening, and they began to persuade the crowds to the point where these people stoned Paul with rocks and heavy stones, and they dragged him out of the city. Could you imagine being dragged through the city? Literally blood everywhere. They thought he was dead, right? They dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. He was unconscious. Dragged him out of the city. Here's the great apostle Paul laying in a pool of blood. The people left him supposing he was dead. But, everybody say, but! but. When the disciples gathered around him, hey, yo, Paul, you dead? <laughs> That's how I envision it. Like, I wonder if Paul's just like laying there and all of a sudden he's like. <laughs> and then he sees like 
Peter and James and John and and the disciples are like, yo, Paul, bro, that was rough, man. Get up. And he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derby. He said, I got to keep it moving. I got to keep it pushing. Surround yourself with disciples that are going to help you get back up. Check your circle. Check your crew. I say this all the time. If you're the smartest person in your circle, find a new circle. If you're the wisest person on your team, find a new team. Find a team that's going to help you get better. Don't, find, don't get, get around a group of yes men. Hey, should I do this? Yes. Should I do that? Yes. Should I run off the clip? Yeah. Wait, you even listening to me? Surround yourself with people that aren't necessarily impressed with you, but know, but know what's best for you. Say, hey, hey, don't tell me what I want to hear. Tell me what I need to hear. Don't just scratch my back. Tell me what's going to help me win. Tell me what's going to help me grow. Oftentimes, you got to get around people that have been around somewhere. It's called wise counsel. Don't just tell me what you think I should hear. Help me get better. Because when I get better, everybody gets better. Oh, I love the fact that we're part of a church where everybody's getting better. It's a level up season for everybody in your faith with Jesus. If you got knocked down, oh, get back up. Remember, come on, worship team, help me close this sermon. We gotta, I, I'm, I just too loaded up today. You got to remember. Somebody say remember. Remember who you are. Remember whose you are. Can I just tell you that that's going to be so mentally freeing? It's going to be a balm of healing for your soul. I, I want to just tell you this, that America, I love the United States of America. Happy Fourth of July weekend. I'm, I'm grateful for our nation. I am. Our nation is not a perfect nation, but I'm grateful for this nation. But let me go ahead and tell you something about our nation. We are the most mentally ill nation in the world. That's a fact. We are prescribing and describing and sending out more mental illness-specific related drugs than any other nation in the world. We are a mentally sick nation. And what I want to just encourage you with is one of the things that we have as individuals, and I, I say that because some of you feel knocked down, and I'm not trying to devalue that. I'm not trying to say that that's not real. I'm saying it is real. So you got to remember. you got to take the time to do the work. Let me put the three, three points on the screen. Get back up. Remember who you are, whose you are. you got to do the work. you got to get back up by learning. Then I'm going to change some things, even if it means changing my surroundings got to get back up by getting around the right people, the right leaders, so I can be free, so I can get healed, because I, I want to tell you today, the Father wants to heal you. You can run to the Father this morning. You can run to the Father this afternoon. You can run to the Father online and find the grace to be found. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for my brothers and sisters here at church. And I pray right now that you, God, you alone, bless you, would speak to each and every one of us in this room and online. And that Holy Spirit right now, you would bring deliverance, bring remembrance, bring healing. If there's somebody in the room today that, that came in here not knowing you as Father, 
right now I pray that they would receive you as Father. If you came in here today and you didn't know Jesus was the one who transferred his righteousness for your sin, and you're ready to receive him right now, and you're ready to make that decision, would you just put your hand in the air? If you feel like you came here, but today you're ready. Thank you, Lord. God, I thank you for those making decisions right now. Just pray with me. Just say, Jesus, I believe. I receive. I believe that I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a Savior. And you're him. Forgive me of all my sins. Fill me with all of your spirit. I turn away from my past. I turn away from the things that harm me. And I'm ready to follow you. I even just feel this prophetic hunch right now. That maybe if you're here today and you're struggling with sexual addiction. Come on, just pray right. Just say, Lord, I turn away from it if you're ready. Find victory at the cross. Find freedom from your past. Find chains breaking of addiction. And receive him right now. Just say, Jesus, I receive you. I'm ready to go all in. Help me, Lord, when I fall to get back up. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Somebody made a decision from death to life today. Let me leave you with one of my favorite quotes, and then our worship team is going to lead us. It's a quote from, of course, the great Rocky Balboa. Come on, you need a quote from Rock. Life is not about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving. Amen. You got to get back up. You got to get back up. Come on, let's stand. Let's, Let's worship the Lord.